Hi, my name is Dara Clear, and you're listening to The Clear Out. You see what I did there? I took my name, Clear, and I put it in the title of the podcast. Genius. So, what does it mean? The Clear Out. Well, if you clear anything out, you're getting rid of it. You're clearing space. You're making room. Making room for what? In my case, for a discussion. (laughs) This is an attempt to clarify the stuff that's inside my head. And usually the stuff that's inside my head is what's concerning me at the moment in my life. This podcast is actually an offshoot of my blog, The Clear Out, which I started writing in 2013. So for almost the last eight and a half years, I've been throwing up articles, think pieces. You know, that makes it sound a bit more grand and credible than just me waffling uh, in written form on on a, on a platform that anyone can use, anyone can create. But in any case, that's what I have been doing, amongst other things. So if you go to theclearout.com, you will find 70-odd uh, pieces of work, let's call them. Pieces of not quite stream of consciousness reflections, but not a million miles from that either. And this podcast is really just going to be an extension of that, a little bit less formal a little bit less structured but ultimately another place to get into the examined life and i can't examine your life impossible you know unless i don't know unless uh i'm omniscient i can get inside your head um which i don't really want to do um it's hard enough living inside my own head but i will be examining my own life or I will continue to do that as I have done and I do believe that by communicating the specificity of one's experience we can access something that is recognizable and universal and for me I found over the years that when I read um, I don't know often an interview with a person who accesses a level of honesty of personal candor and openness that it is it's powerful and I have aspired to walk in that territory myself and I will be continuing to try to do that here so uh what else do you need to know My background is in performance. I trained as an actor um, over 20 years ago. I trained as an actor in England. I did a a couple of years of sort of classical theatre training in the vein of Peter Brook. So sort of ensemble, stripped back storytelling. That was the theory. Um, the, (laughs) the, The theory and the attraction. The attraction was, oh my goodness, this theatre training, you know, it's, it's like it's like Peter Brook's famous theatre company. Peter Brook, who walked away from traditional theatre and started again, stripped it right back to the bare bones of theatrical storytelling. 
minimal costume, minimal sets, international cast, trying to find a universal language of theatrical storytelling. And I thought that's what I was going to get with the acting training that I embarked upon. Um, that's what they had in the brochure, <laughs> the prospectus. And I, did a, I went and I auditioned and I just thought, wow, this place is amazing. And then the, 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 the theatre productions that they did themselves, uh, in which the acting students um, you know, were cast and performed in, uh, our little student theatre company. Brilliant. I mean, amazing experience in terms of, okay, this is how you put on some shows in repertory and tour around the country. You can't uh, you can't buy that experience. Well, no, you can. I paid for it. Um, but their own, <laughs> the artistic director's own sort of um, trademark, her own sort of, yeah, vision was just not the Peter Brook thing at all. It was stuffy and staid and utterly unoriginal ponderous um prosaic and you know <laughs> it was just it was like the opposite of what peter brook was meant to be about um and yet his name was there you know as patron of the company but um he would have been horrified at what he at, at what he would have seen if he ever cast his eyes on one of our productions um, so it was sort of a inverted learning. You know, I, I, I came out of that training going, okay, that's that's not the kind of acting I want to do. That's the type of actor I want to be. And here I am, 20 years later, you know, enjoying an incredibly successful acting career. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I, I, you know, I'll return to that. I'll return to that topic another time and uh, take you through the the agonizing highs and wonderful lows of a peripatetic acting career. My other area of experience has been teaching, a lot of teaching over the years, teaching in secondary schools um, and teaching uh, English as a second language and also teaching uh, martial arts. Um, I've been a karate practitioner a Shotokan karate practitioner for almost 30 years uh, I've also done yang style tai chi for um, about 20 years and I still practice daily and that's um, very enjoyable very enjoyable for me and I get a lot from it and that's something I'll touch on again um, and return to when appropriate so here I am now and yeah, I'm embarking on this podcasting adventure because I enjoy podcasts enormously and I like to talk and I like when I have the room. <laughs> I love a conversation where I'm the only one speaking and so podcasting seems to be just tailor-made for my inclinations and um, for epic waffling and tangential thinking um so yeah welcome welcome to my self-indulgence i hope you enjoy it as much as i do <laughs> okay so i will over time and over the uh, initial episodes of the podcast i will kind of break down a bit more comprehensively where i'm coming from 
philosophically and psychologically. But rather than getting deep into that today, I just want to give you a little snapshot from where I'm at right now and share a little episode from my life this morning. So I am typically the first up in my household. Uh, My wife and daughter sleep while I get up, usually a couple of hours before they do. So anytime from five till half five in the morning. And I am in the habit of doing this to have a little bit of quiet time to myself, a little bit of head time. And it's when I do um, my kind of morning routine of exercise. And that's when I practice a little bit of karate, perhaps do some Tai Chi, throw in some conditioning exercises. Uh, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, this is outdoors. I'm lucky I have a garden where I live and I can get out there in all weathers. I'll put on raincoats and wet gear if it's bad weather um, and stick in headphones, maybe listen to music, maybe listen to a podcast and do what I have to do to get my body right and try and get my head right for the day. Now, typically I'm doing this on no more than six hours sleep a night. And that is generally enough for me. Sometimes an accumulation of only six hours sleep a night can take its toll. And I wake up a little bit sour, a little bit cranky, a little bit touchy. Um, And Today was one of those days. I probably should have gone to bed a little bit earlier last night, uh, but I've been re-watching The Wire, which is just brilliant. What an entertaining show. What a great artistic creation. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And just a pleasure to revisit it. It's just It's my second time to watch it. And I'm just really enjoying being reminded of the quality of the writing, the quality of the story, the quality of the acting, of course. Um, Yeah, just a real high watermark um, in that kind of, this kind of, you know, late golden age of, uh, you know, television. Um, So anyway, I probably stayed up and watched, you know, one episode too many of that last night. And so I got a a little bit less than my typical six hours sleep but I was up this morning I did my business in the garden I don't mean like a dog doing his business in the garden because we've had a bit of that lately we've had some dogs to visit and dogs you know they like to use the uh, the facilities and for them you know a nice grassy garden at the front or at the back they go they just go great thanks guys thanks for laying on this green rug upon which I can drop my load you got to love a dog. They're special, aren't they? Uh, anyway, I did my business, by which I mean the aforementioned karate, a couple of karate kata and stretching, some uh, qigong stretching, breathing exercises, and then a little routine of conditioning exercises that I do. Um. Anyway, I came back into the house and my daughter had just got up and she was in very giddy form. I was still listening to the podcast I had been listening to and I've learned, I've learned um, over time that, you know, if my daughter's up and I'm there and I'm still trying to concentrate on a podcast with one headphone in or, you know, read an article, that 
it is completely unfair to her. It's totally selfish on my part. It's completely stupid. It's a terrible move um, as a parent. <laughs> and certainly, you know, it's, it's just a bad move for me because what happens is my daughter starts vying for my attention and I start resenting the interruption. And she's not doing anything wrong. She is absolutely within her rights to go, I've just got up, there's my dad. I want to have a bit of chat with him or a bit of fun or sit down and have breakfast. And he's been a grumpy old boot with his blooming headphone in, listening to some boring crap. And I'm not enjoying that. So I mentioned this because I didn't do that. Or I might have had my earphone in for, you know, another minute or two. But I took the, took, took my earphones out, turned off what I was listening to, put the phone down. And my daughter was there and that was grand. Now, something had happened before my daughter started engaging with me. Um... And this was something that planted a little seed that led to what happened next. So I was in the kitchen. She'd got herself a bowl of cereal. I'd had a bit of grapefruit. We were chatting at the table. I went back, got my own cereal. She finished hers. And then she was in this mode of trying to get me to break. <laughs> By which she was trying to pull me into her world of messing mischief provocation she wanted me to just have no control over what i was doing and she was on a mission to make it happen and i was getting ever more irritated i was feeling a bit tired after this not quite enough sleep last night i was feeling you know yeah irritable sensitive and you know, I just wasn't responding well to her. Just push, 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 pushing me. And sure enough, instead of taking a breath, taking a step back and trying to explain to her, you know, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> would you please, 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 for the love of Jesus, would you stop? Because I'm going to, I'm just going to crack up. Instead of doing that, I just cracked and I shouted at her. Um... And, you know, to be fair, she didn't seem, like, unduly upset. She knew I was cross. Because <laughs> she'd had this incessant, you know, spell of trying to make me explode. And it was only a, you know, it was, it was a mini explosion. It wasn't a massive one. But, you know, I shouted at her and I immediately was like, oh, she left the room, you know, probably to go down and tell my wife. And I did feel bad. Um... Anyway, she recovered, I recovered, um, she got herself organised for school, I had a little word with her, I apologised to her, um, she just didn't seem to care, <laughs> she seemed totally unfazed. And anyway, I dropped her, I walked her down to the bus stop, the school bus came, and I came back to the house, and then, it was then that I realised, ah, oh, her wanting to make me crack her on this kind of little intense spell of you know daughter warfare um it wasn't random she was annoyed with me 
So she was, you know, launching a focused attack on me. Now, you might ask yourself, why? What, 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 what could I have done to have annoyed her so much that she really wanted to completely shred my sense of morning peace? Did I do something, you know, terribly hurtful to her? Did I insult her? Did I diss one of her drawings? Did I slag her off in some way? Did I throw out one of her soft toys? I don't know. Anything like that? The answer is no. I didn't do, I didn't do anything like that. There was nothing like that. But I made the terrible mistake of putting on music. That she didn't like. <laughs> I put on Arvo Part uh, and Arvo Part's uh, composition for Alina, which is incredibly, you know, mellow and chilled and a very kind of gentle sort of uh, soundscape for. You know, for a morning where we might be feeling a bit cranky, a bit sensitive. Um, my wife had a very kind of sore neck and shoulder yesterday and couldn't go to work. And yeah, I just felt that would be, you know, a nice way for her to start today hearing this music. And my daughter was disgusted. You know, she came in to give out to me, you know, when she was annoying or before she annoyed me, she came in and made a statement, you know, like and a big had a big face on her. Like, what is this? What are we listening to? I don't like it. And I was like, tough. It's not always about you. You know, I wouldn't turn off music that you put on. Um, and I kind of let it go. But it was only afterwards when she'd gone to school that I realised that was why she had been so determined to um, make me pay. Because <laughs> that was playing throughout our morning rituals. Um, just this kind of, you know, spacey piano and strings. Beautiful beautiful I think it's beautiful you know how my daughter feels she thinks it's absolute poison for the soul uh, and definitely not her kind of thing so um yeah so that was the that was the start to my day and these battles you know they are the uh, they are the stuff of life and I kind of step back from it after being all bent out of shape and I applaud my daughter's ferocity, her fierceness, her her kind of willfulness and her determination to act out revenge in the moment. I mean, I, I'm just impressed with her resources and her gumption and her fearlessness. And uh, long may it continue. And I feel it's it's not on her at all to modify her behaviour. <laughs> I think it's up to me to adapt, adapt or die. Uh, I think the challenge is for me to become a more tolerant, patient parent and to become a lot more <laughs> resilient. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was thinking... You know, if I was in a different setting, I wouldn't have let that get to me so much. I wouldn't have let someone annoy me so much. I mean, and this is, 
you know, this is the great kind of power that, you know, your, your nearest and dearest have. Often the people you love the most or the people who are closest to you or you've known for longest, you know, they have this amazing ability to unsettle you. And, you know, just just the ability to pull one single thread and watch you come apart. And I was thinking in my capacity as a teacher, certainly in the last sort of seven to eight years in Melbourne, uh, I was working as a, a teacher of English as a second language and I enjoyed this kind of teaching persona I had, um, which, you know, is, is in me. Um, very much a part of who I am some you know I, I was very sanguine and philosophical and you know not easily shocked or surprised unperturbed by you know the various scenarios my students might bring to me these I'm, I'm talking about international adult learners um, amazing um, variety of people from around the world a lot of different um uh, Asian nationalities, a lot of uh, students from South America, uh, some European students, um, you know, Middle Eastern students, really a real rich, diverse range of, you know, graduates and qualified professionals, um, mostly in their uh, early to mid 20s, but, uh, you know, a lot of other ages there as well. And yeah, I mean, it was a, a very easy effortless kind of dynamic um to go in and build rapport with focused conscientious mostly conscientious uh adult students who are happy to be there who are happy to share their thoughts and opinions and you know i, I thought well if you know if one of those students one of the many students i you know worked with over the years if they were trying to tease me or wind me up you know i would have just taken it um you know, with great sort of equanimity and ease and not, not have been phased by it in the slightest. Um, but I can't do that with my daughter. <laughs> and maybe it's, about, it's, maybe it's about being in your space, in your home space, that kind of territorial, proprietorial uh, mindset we get into, um, you know, whereby we're, you know, we're in our own domain and we're very... Um, you know, set in our ways because of where we are. I think this is something that, you know, informs road rage because I think we take that mentality into the driving space. You know, you're in your car, your car, your car is your space. And I think, you know, that's why people get full can, why some people can give full vent to their anger and their rage when a transgression happens on the road because it's affected your space somehow you know it's like you're bringing your space with you on four wheels and um yeah it's something to be uh something to be careful of but my my final conclusion was that when i come when i was comparing the situation my daughter here at home and you know potential flashpoints in um the last you know the last kind of teaching settings I was in you know you can only be what others allow you to be and what I mean by that is you know in my capacity as a teacher you know you step into that space and you know 
as long as you're not failing as a teacher in terms of what you're managing to successfully communicate and teach you know students give you they give you that role they allow you to be in that role and it's the same as an actor you know you walk onto a stage you walk in front of a camera you walk onto a set everyone just assumes before you've opened your mouth they assume (laughs) you're going to be able to do the job they give it to you and that's enormous that is a huge part of being effective it's a huge part of being successful and yeah it's about walking the walk um, and not just talking the talk but you're given a lot you're given a lot you know if you go to a theater and the first actor walks on stage you don't think oh this person's going to be terrible that's not your expectation your assumption is that person is meant to be there and that's why i paid however much I paid for this ticket, for this seat, for this experience. Now, if we drag that back into, you know, the dynamic between my daughter and myself, she hasn't paid for anything. (laughs) She's like, this shit is free. Your crap parenting is free. I didn't pay for this. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to criticize the hell out of it. and I'm going to push back. Uh, every time um, I have a problem. <laughs> so she's not giving me anything. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, 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 that begs another question. I mean, what is she giving me? I mean, all she knows, <laughs> this is all any of us know. We only know the parents we have, um, you know, until we get out there and start, you know, really, you know, analyzing other parents and, you know, comparing our own terribly unfavorably often. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was, uh, that was where I was at today. That was where I was at this morning. Um, and you know, I feel like these, these moments, these moments always, always have something to teach. They, there's always something to learn if you're willing, if you're willing to kind of pause and, uh, rewind and play back and go, what just happened there? Why did I do what I did? You know, could I have done better? Um, Yeah. So, look, what I'm going to do now, I'm actually going to read something. Um, I'm going to read an extract from something I wrote uh, eight and a half years ago when I started my, my blog. And it sort of speaks to the general thrust of 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 what I try to communicate of how I perceive um, sort of uh, how I perceive the present moment how I perceive living day to day and it's it's what has continued to inform my output um, particularly uh, particularly the sort of articles um, or pieces that I've written on my blog and yeah so I'm just going to read this to you and this was from the first blog post I wrote in 2013 that kind of got the ball rolling um, and it kind of communicates the the substance of 
my outlook. You are in a radically different place to the people around you. You are walking in a distinctly separate universe. And being from another place possibly makes you feel alien. You don't speak the language. You don't possess the proper currency. The guidebook you're using couldn't be more off the mark. You're out of step, out of touch and out of time. And you ask yourself, how did I get here? The answer is not as complex or damning as you might think. And it probably wouldn't be inappropriate to list off the various contributing factors of nature and nurture, environment and temperament. But it's simpler than all of that. How did you end up here, in this particular place, at this particular time, in this particular state? And by state, I mean emotionally, psychologically, spiritually and universally, not geographically. How? I'll tell you. By doing the best you can. We live in a hypercritical, hyper-analytical world where every misstep is scrutinised and anything less than supernova success is considered failure. Bearing that in mind, you may not believe you have done the best you can. You may feel that you have somewhat underachieved or sold yourself short somehow. Rubbish. You've done the best you could. Here's a newsflash. Nobody is perfect. I know. It's a cliche. But there you go. It happens to be true. No one is on top of their game for every second of every day. No one. You show me that person and I'll show you somebody who is pathological, deranged, unhinged and totally disconnected. Don't get me wrong, this is not a manifesto of mediocrity. We can all excel. But those mediocre moments are totally normal. So say it. I have done the best I can. Nobody deliberately sets out not to arrive at their destination of choice. Most of us simply go after the things that make us feel good. We seek the approval, appreciation and love of the people most important to us. We develop over time a belief in the type of person we are and we act accordingly. Life throws its hilarious bag of tricks in our way to render us senseless and ineffective. But it doesn't affect our core action. We bump and stumble and scramble our way towards happiness. So that's, I think, pretty close to how I still feel. My, my, my fundamental position hasn't changed in the, uh, the eight and a half years or the almost eight and a half years that have elapsed since I wrote that. And uh, I feel I, I feel I am still bumping and stumbling and scrambling my way towards happiness, towards contentment, 
towards fulfillment. I feel it's a daily, it's a daily struggle. It's a daily effort. It's a daily battle to try and keep keep my eye my eye on the prize. And this isn't like a, you know a desire to be like hyper hyper effective, um, you know, to be massively like high achieving, you know, optimum experience. It's not about that. It's about keeping a sense of meaningful priorities, keeping a sense of the things that are going to sustain my sense of strength, my sense of possibility, my sense of um, my sense of power, I suppose, and my sense of strength and you know, this, this is something I've been discussing recently with, you know, different friends. This idea of strength. What is it? You know, who defines strength? Who defines power? Um, I think too many of our ideas of strength and power revolve around very conventional, received ideas of success. And, you know, they're attached to kind of superlatives of, you know, best, fastest, biggest, strongest, most, richest. Um, and I question, I question the wisdom of that framework. Uh, I think it's built around very, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on and I'm not planning to go on an anti-capitalist rant, but, you know, it's built around notions of, you know, accumulation um, and, you know, economic status and economic power. And I think it's flawed. I think it's a flawed model. And I challenge myself constantly to sort of redraft the model and to ask myself, you know, ask myself the right kind of questions that make me reappraise where I'm at regularly to ask me if I'm making best use of what I've got, you know? And that's a good question. That's a great question. Do you feel you're making the best use of what you've got? And I'm talking about your natural, your, your, your innate resources your innate talents your innate skills your innate kind of positive inclinations um you know if your innate inclination is to you know sit on the couch and eat endless bags of crisps i'm not sure where that's going to get you um except into the obesity clinic um so that's one to look at you know we you know in karate we talk about you know, addressing your weaknesses and building your strengths. You don't want to build a weakness. Um, you know, we, we you know, the, 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 the cliched uh, phrase is practice makes perfect. But of course, that's not entirely right, is it? Because if you're practicing in the wrong way, if you're practicing in a way that's self-harming, then that's not going to reward you. So, you know, mindful practice, um, 
you know, you can talk about perfect practice, you know, if such a thing exists. I mean, I think you can only ever work with principles. Principles that are attached to ideas of perfection. Principles that are touchstones that eliminate, um, you know, you know, reduce the room for error. And then, you, you know, you, you look at sporting models um, you take a game like, you know, like rugby, rugby union and successful teams. Often they're the teams who um, make the fewest mistakes. And it's, you know, because the teams, you know, top level teams are comparably, you know, they're comparably the same. The skill set is comparably the same. They're fast. They're, they have, you know, great hand skills. Um, you know, they're big, muscular, dynamic uh, have a good understanding of the modern game tactics know their roles and really the modern game of of rugby union is this kind of attritional battle where you're forcing trying to force the other team to make mistakes upon which you capitalize and then you get to utilize your very similar skill set on the back of the mistake of you know your opponents um, so you bring that back into our life model. It's the same idea. You know, the battle is, you know, the battle is contentment. The battle is the, the struggle for it, contentment, the struggle for fulfillment, the struggle to feel like you're living uh, your life as well as you can. And so, you know, don't tell me everybody doesn't share that aspiration. Don't tell me everyone isn't more or less striving for the same thing. So you're not trying to win at the expense of others. Well, certainly, God, you know, maybe that's incredibly naive. I mean, for someone to win, someone has to lose. I mean, that's <laughs> that really is the case, isn't it? Um, but it depends. It depends how you're viewing. You know, it, it depends on your definition of victory. So then it comes back again to, am I the best? Did I win gold? Am I the best, the fastest, the strongest, the quickest? Or do I need to redefine what victory is? Um and I think, you know, that is something that's worth asking yourself. And that comes close to redefining your understanding of success, redefining your understanding of enough. You know, what is enough? What is going to satisfy you? And, you know, for me, I try to simplify that all the time. I really do. I try to simplify it to the things that I know stimulate me turn me on kind of spiritually philosophically psychologically emotionally and largely to, for me that's about having healthy relationships with the people I care about most that is about ultimately having a level of you know financial um, you know financial economic stability security it's not about enormous wealth i don't aspire to that <laughs> i'm very far from it um i aspire to have enough to get through you know the week um i exaggerate but only slightly um i aspire to do the things that uh, make best use of my talents and i aspire to be productive and creative and create things that are of use to other people 
and that really does kind of circle back to my background as a performer as a, a you know as an actor um it comes back to all the experience i've had as a teacher in schools for you know all ages of students and it comes back to uh, what i've done as a karate instructor um you know an occasional teacher of self-defense um you know there's a desire there to help others there's a desire there to connect with other people um there's a desire to share my passion and enthusiasm in appropriate ways <laughs> because think about that you know your passion is not everyone else's passion your enthusiasm is not everyone else's enthusiasm you know sometimes you need to to rein that in um and that's what i'm going to do right now because that's that's enough of that that's enough of me for now uh thank you so much for giving this a listen i hope you'll come back and listen to more musings ramblings self-interrogations reflections and all the rest um yeah uh, thanks again my name is dara clear this has been the clear out and you're great you know that you're doing the best you can and i really appreciate it that's my message to myself as well okay take care thanks for listening mind yourselves all the best bye bye